Yo, what's up? Check it out. This is Chris Proffer here with Proffer Entertainment. You are listening to the Feedback Podcast. What up, everybody? It's back with the Feedback Podcast, where we talk about everything nightlife here in Austin, Texas. And in this show, I have the honor to speak to the one and only DJ Chicken George. So we talk about how we got started DJing uh, back in Houston, what the scene was like back then, uh, how he got his name. Uh, also, we talk we talk a lot about his Jastronica sound that he developed, uh, the concept behind it, his vision with it. Um, and as an international DJ, all the stuff is uh, he's gotten to, he's gotten to do people he's worked with the, the man's been around for a long time and has so much to say it's, it's incredible so this one is is on the longer side uh than usual so just bear with us uh and also before we start make sure you go to itunes or stitcher and rate the show and comment uh so that we can move up and uh let me know what you think all right so again this one's a little long but it's definitely worth it. It was a pleasure to talk to Mr. Jastronica himself, DJ Chicken George. All right, let's go. And we're live. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast. My name is Back, and today I have the honor, the pleasure of welcoming my good friend, DJ Chicken George, legend, freaking, I don't know, I put you up there, man. Oh, thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, thank you for coming. I know you're busy. You're going all over the world. You're doing your mixtapes. You're doing your shows. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I know it's a lot. So thanks for taking the time. And also, I want to thank you because the you did our uh, two-year anniversary. Oh, from, yeah, with Kid Slice. Yes. That was fun. And that was, I think, was one great, of our best. It was that was great. one of our best. Yeah, seriously. big up to Kid Slice, man. Yes. I mean, we really, I think we outdid ourselves on this one. Yeah. And yeah, that was, was great. great. That was a great show. So thanks thanks again for that. So let's get into it. Um, so where does your DJ story start? Like, what, did, did you grow up around music, your parents maybe? Or what, what was it that... that what was it that got you into, okay, I'm, my thing is going to be music in some sh- shape or form? Well, you know, uh, music has always been a big part of our household just coming from West Indian parents. It's part oh. of the culture. You know, my parents are from Trinidad. Oh, so, I did not know that. Yeah, both my parents, my mom and my dad. So growing up in a West Indian home, obviously there was Calypso music, but at that time my parents were really into soul music. So they were always playing, you know, a combination of the Mighty Sparrow from, from Trinidad mm-hmm. and then also... Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and all the Motown greats and everything that kind of came around that same time. So music has definitely always been part of like the fabric of our household. And um, I feel like it was my first introduction to DJing was Run DMC, Jam Master J. Like I, I oh, you, just, you saw that and then you were like, that's it? You know, I just, I, I, I as much as I love, you know, Run and DMC, mm-hmm. I feel like I was more connected to what he was doing in the background and like these sounds that he was making with these records and it intrigued my and piqued my interest and so um and obviously you know I'm a big Run DMC fan too but mm-hmm. it was just like just seeing Jam Master J doing his thing at one point I felt like you know what maybe I might want to sort of explore that a little bit so you, know you I mean? were back then you were in Boston is that it well uh, I grew up we grew, I was in Boston uh-huh. but then 
at a young age, we moved to, to Houston. So I'd say the first couple of years of my elementary schooling is was in Boston, and then mm-hmm. most of it was in Houston. So Houston was where I was bred, born and I mean, you know, not born, but bred and grew up there. And so you were, you know, so I assume it was, you know, Run DMC and all the Native Tongue, all the, you know, oh, absolutely. Day Live, yeah, the, moving into guys. like the 90s hip hop and whatnot. That's, that's what resonated to me. That's what spoke to me as far as the type of hip hop music. Uh-huh. But was that, was that tough in, in Houston? Cause no, because it's the fourth it, largest city in the United States. So pretty much anything that everyone else was getting, we were getting in at the same time. Do you know oh, what I mean? Oh, okay. It's a big, huge international city. We had access to all forms of media. So all the music videos that were being played and, mm-hmm. you know, the video shows and, and music being played on the radio the same time that it was coming out and in those markets like New York and L.A., we were getting it at the same time. So I feel like it was advantageous for me at that age to be able to have access to the music the same time that it was coming out on a national, you know, international scale. So were you like going by records already or were you... How um, you- not at that age, not that young. Um, just mostly like watching music videos and, you like, know... Who's that guy in the back with the yeah, hands and you know what I mean? Like ma- mainly at that point. I didn't, I, I didn't really start buying records until... I'd say I was around middle school, and I didn't even have a turntable of my own. I just had the one that my parents had, and my dad had this. I'll never forget it. It's it's like a one of those ones from the seventies, and it has like a a bar in it, and you yeah, know, yeah, 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 and the velour on the inside, and you pull it down, <laughs> and then the turntable pops out, you know, uh-huh. and we would play records on that. And you have house parties and stuff, and you would play. Uh, no, just like friends would come over, and we just. You know, play play music or whatnot, but not anything like rowdy or anything like so that. So, what? When did you get your first uh, set of decks? Not until till high school. So, oh, my motivation for that because I was in a hip hop group with my brother and two other uh, childhood friends of mine, Marco and and uh, Charles. Yeah, and um, there were four MCs in the group, but no DJ at the time. I was obviously interested in it, but. Uh-huh. I didn't, not in middle school, I didn't have, you know, turntables. I didn't, I had some records, but I was trying to rap at the time and I was like the weak link of, of, of the groups. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. eventually I got initiated to be the group's DJ because we needed a DJ and I was like, I'm fine with that. You know, I'll, I'll be the group's DJ. And then, so how, how did you learn? Uh, you know, I actually just do a lot of trial and error, you know, and really? I didn't really have a great example as far as like somebody in my my neighborhood that was DJing or there were some guys in school that I remember mm-hmm. that were were DJing and I would like watch them and you know when we like they would do parties or whatnot but I really didn't know what I was doing when I when I first got on I just kind of sort of intrinsically figured it out I guess if you know what I mean so you were do you were doing you're performing already with that group I wouldn't call it performing, man. You're just... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't call it performing. It was more of, like, experimenting. You know what I mean? They were... We were writing rhymes and, and you know, making beats and... Making beats? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, with, what, with, with the resources that we had and and, our, and what we call making beats is, like, like a pause tape. You record, you yeah. know, an instrumental from the B-side of some record and yeah. we'd chop it up and rewind and... You know, that's make beats. loops. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. know what I mean, and then rap over them, and that's kind of like using two tape recorders at the same time—one to press play and one to play to record. I mean, it was like the bare bones, pretty much. You know what I mean? Man. Yeah. So just kind of using the resources that we had. We didn't have a lot, but 
we had a vision. We know, you know, I mean, we have people that we emulated and yeah. we know we had great examples of what we, we were wanted to attempt or what we wanted to sound like. You know what I mean? So who was, uh, who was the inspiration there? Oh, by far all, all the ways Tribe Called Quest and oh. De La Soul, like tell me, all the 90s hip hop. Tell me, tell me you are dressing in the gear and everything. Dude, we had the, like, the, had the, the wooden beads and the Africa, <laughs> you know, like, emblems and the big crazy hats with the... The the Plaisley qu- yeah. shirts with the color block and and cross colors, all that, bro. Like, <laughs> I still have pictures of us wearing all this stuff. We look like clowns, man. Like, oh, come on. Those are good up. old days, man. Yeah, I, but, I wore those too. Though. Was, no, no, I know. But just looking back at it, it's just like it's it's kind of comical. You know? No, but I mean, you we were, I mean, our generation is like, we were right in it. Oh, absolutely. So there was there was no escaping it. No, really. absolutely. It's either you were you were or you weren't. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, and so you got that. So started quote unquote performing with your friends, and then yeah, doing local talent shows, and like there was a library in between mm-hmm. um, the high school and the the middle school, and so it was sort of like a a meeting point. Yeah. So after school, we would all just meet there and just kind of. Supposed to be doing homework, but we weren't really doing homework. <laughs> we were just kind of like, you know, coming up with ideas, messing around. You know what and, I mean? And pe- people were impressed. Well, they they had they also had like a like an after school tutorial uh-huh. slash open room sort of situation where they had tutors that you need to help with your homework. They would help you, but then it was also just like a room for kids to just sort of like. Hang out, decompress. Yeah, yeah. And we were always just in there, just rapping all the time. And we had a little, little audience, you know, after school, like people. Would the girls would show you. up. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It was great, man. I mean, you know, just to be able to actually have some bodies to perform in front of, and then eventually it moved up to like talent shows hosted by the schools, and we would always take those, man. Mm-hmm. Always take those. And so, so then what happened? You guys disbanded or something? No, then- no, no. Well, you know, during high school, um, we pretty much recorded. Um, produced, funded. Wow, that I mean that's an album. Shit. Yeah, before we were out of high school, so um, we did the whole. You know, I was a the 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 photography editor of of my yearbook staff for like my eleventh and twelfth grade year. Okay, so I had access to all this like equipment, you know, camera equipment. So I was taking all the promo shots of us, and you know, it looked pretty legit. You know, for some like you know seventeen year olds or whatnot, mm-hmm. but. We had our stuff together, man. It was great. Um, we put our first album out, and then after whoa, high whoa, whoa, whoa. you put out an album? Yeah, we put an album out. No, uh, we did. It was called. You pressed it time, yourself and everything. Yeah, we pressed it ourselves. Houston Records in in uh, Houston, man. And did you go out and just give it out to the kids in the school? And... Well, there's a little story behind the first album. Um, without getting into too much That's detail, uh, it was the same studio that Bun B and Pimp C recorded the first album. And I remember distinctly, distinctly going to the studio, and Bun B and Pimp C would be there. And you know who they were at the time? At the time, they were, you know, like, yes, we knew who they were. Yeah. Um, but they were still, like, at the beginning stages of their career. They, they were, were really still, like, repping Kings. Port Arthur. You know what I mean? Okay. And, like, still, like, uh, locally, they, you know, were starting to get a buzz, but not nationally, not yet. Yeah. But tell me something good. I'll I'll never forget that. Um, the first time I heard that was when we were in the studio because our s- sessions sometimes would overlap, and so we would get get there a little early because it was in Missouri City, which was I don't know probably close to an hour outside of 
of uh, Houston. So uh-huh. after school, we round up the posse and drive out to the studio out in Missouri City and record all night and and come back the next, you know, come back that night and go to school the next day. And we did that for, you know, until the album was finished. So, so don't let me get off track here, but uh, just the UGK thing. Um, yeah. That was like, it was pretty awesome to be able to Did you to talk to him at that. all? Or? I do remember, kind of, but not really. You know what I mean? Because we were just like some kids, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like they didn't really, you know, they were just kind of seeing us as like, these new kids doing yeah, wearing yeah. all this crazy cross-color <laughs> stuff and rapping like Tribe Called Quest. You know what I mean? But was there was there a lot of that going on at the time? No, there wasn't. And so that's the other thing is is there wasn't a lot of that. There was some, but definitely Houston rap and like Southern rap was like the dominant sound. Right. So it definitely sounded different than anything coming out of that studio. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. um so again, don't let me get off track here, but uh that, yeah, that same studio that they recorded their first album, first hit, uh, we recorded our, our album there as well. But, um, you know, at the time we were very young and we were very naive and we yeah. really didn't know the business. And obviously being, you know, 17 years old and, and being in a, a real recording studio and, and, and getting the opportunity to finish an album. I mean, that's, that's big at yeah. that age. So the person who was involved in the project decided that he wanted to sort of take it over, I guess. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, all I'm going to say about that is that um, he kind of offered us this sort of deal that wasn't in our best interest. Yeah. And it was, in a sense, he sort of didn't, the, the album didn't actually come out. They uh-huh. were pressed up before, he hit us with these contracts, right, and asked us to become one of their artists. Yeah, yeah. So that because he was, like, trying to get behind a project that was different than anything he was doing, and he saw potential. And because I feel like he kind of took advantage of the fact that we were all, you know, young, still and, yeah. young and a little naive, but still excited, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be like, yeah, we got an album coming out. Hit us with this contract that wasn't really the best. And when we got it, someone to look at it, they were like, if you guys sign this, you know, you're going to be... In, in like a bad situation. Right. So we ended up scrapping that deal. The name of the group was called Bass Tribe at the time. Yeah. And the name of the album was called A Trip to the Grocery Store and it was completed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You see what I mean? Sounds like some, yeah, some Lost De La Soul you, album or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But stuff you talk about when you're 17. It's totally. You know, and like we had our own vocabulary and like <laughs> words we made up and all of that. You know what I mean? It was like was very... Very, very much um, influenced by, like, Three Feet High and Rising. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, and so, moving forward, uh, we just, that project actually kind of went sour. Uh, so, we never really actually, like, put that specific album out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But there's copies of it that have been, like, distributed since then. And, like, people have said, oh, man, I have this album from you and you were, like, 17 or... You've Unfortunately, I don't have it? a copy of it myself. I only have the ones that, you know, the unfinished, meaning like I have all the songs that uh-huh. are on cassettes on the masters, but I don't have the finished final product with the artwork and, and everything. You know what but I mean? But you've met people who have it? I met one person or two people over the years that said they've had it, but they haven't been able to like find it. So 
there's this oh, running wow. joke between myself and Marco and and Charles, Charles and my brother. Like, eventually, at some point, we're gonna. I mean, you run got, across this tape. Yeah, you it's that lost tape, it. man. It's yeah. the lost tape. You know what you're, I mean? You're, you're on a mission now. Yeah, that, that's oh, definitely. <laughs> and as much as I'm, you know. In record stores and around music all the time, I just feel like at one point someday I'm gonna be digging somewhere and that tape is gonna pop up. I know it. That'd be dope, man. So in um, 1993, a year after you know this whole situation with the Space Tribe, um, you know album not coming out and mm-hmm. all, all these things that came with that, we just regrouped and put out a 12 inch by ourselves. Changed the name of the group to Wasted Youth. Huh. And, Interesting. Yeah, and and we went and pressed up a hundred copies of a twelve inch. Uh we were working with another producer named Maestro in a different studio, a different side of town. Uh-huh. We just kind of started from from ground zero and put this project out ourselves. We we actually made cassette tapes. I still have, oh, you I have, still have <laughs> their gold cassette tapes, Wasted Youth. So if you have one of those, anyone out there, just know you have a red gem. You know what I mean? And <laughs> and then a 12-inch as well that we, again, financed ourselves. You know, we had, like, odd-end jobs that we, we did just to, to find, you know, right, pay right, for right. studio time or whatnot. So, um, And then we put it out, self-distributed ourselves, took them to the record stores, to the radio stations to get DJs to play it, sold them out the back of our trunk, to our, of our car, to our classmates, to whoever would listen to it, whoever would purchase it whoever it, would help us did out. it get airplay at all oh yeah 97.9 the box actually played it and i still have a cassette recording of that tape big up walter d man from from 97.9 nice, the box he man. played it we raided around the radio like it was during the mix show you know yeah so it was probably like a friday night or something 11 o'clock and he's like all right i'm gonna play it tonight you know so we're just like waiting by the radio and then he played it and it was like wow i mean just imagine to hear something that you created being played on you know the biggest radio station in Houston for 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 hip hop music. So after that, y'all 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 just stopped, and you guys went your own way. Well, you know, you just wanted to. At that point, I just kind of feel like you know because everyone like my brother went away to he went to UT to college, and then I went you know to college, and then Marco, he actually is a couple years younger than us, so he was still in high school at the time yeah. when I graduated, and we were still kind of doing stuff around town, but. um you know, eventually we just sort of went our own ways, and so you wanted to <clears throat> you wanted to put out like one good thing, you know, put it out, uh, distribute it, have it played, and be like, okay, we have that on our resume now. So and it kind of, you know, yeah, I just I just was just like at the time, just I guess it was just the timing. I guess it was just it, like um, the timing, so to speak. Meaning, after we finished this specific project, then. Uh-huh. We had other things that, you know, life stuff happened. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you at that time you're already DJing or were you still kind of. It was I was mainly the group's DJ. I wasn't really DJing outside like doing parties or anything like that uh-huh. until after the wasted youth thing. You know what I mean? So you started DJing and you were in Houston then? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you were was it a were you a club DJ or was it like I'm just gonna play what I It was I like, like house parties, you know? Just okay. like neighborhood house party, people would, you know, I didn't get paid for any of that stuff, you know, just just to get experience and play for people, you know, just mm-hmm. like in the hood, you know, just playing whatever. You Do know? you remember that when did someone call you up and say, hey, uh, I got a bar here, I got a club here, well, I have like a bigger event. That, that came just- later, and there was a, a few like hip-hop events in Houston where there were some notable DJs like DJ Cypher and the Mathematic DJs and uh-huh. a couple of these other guys that were a little bit more established 
and were getting gigs and I just kind of started hanging around there and meeting all those guys and they realized that we had similar taste in music and you know uh, I was a fan first and then eventually they asked me to come and say you know why don't you be a guest and then I guess it kind of kind of went from there that part is a little fuzzy because it was so long ago but I definitely remember just going out to the hip-hop nights and seeing who have who who was doing what and watching yeah did a lot of that man a lot of that and did you so what were you playing then were you playing this it's stuff always like? hip-hop always. always yeah that's always been the foundation like that's in my collection that's the biggest thing that I own right uh-huh. now so you, you, you were later on you, when you started doing uh, gigs at at bars or at events and they you were still down to play whatever was on the radio or whatever was hot at the time well you know um i feel like at first i would only, i was only that guy who was like it's got to be rough rugged and raw like i will only play <laughs> smith and west smith and wesson and like <laughs> i'm only going to play like helter skelter and you know fat yeah, five yeah, yeah. and like yeah you know you know just like all the underground stuff necro and like you know i was that dude you know what i mean for mm-hmm. a while and then i realized that if i really wanted to break outside of just the audience that i could play in front of and get gigs mm-hmm. you know what i mean that i people actually pay me then i'd have to sort of be open to playing other styles of music more popular a little bit more popular so what was what was the dj was it a very competitive scene over there in houston at the time if it was competitive it didn't feel like it oh really you know what i mean like i i felt like it didn't feel like it was competitive there definitely were a lot of djs but Houston's a big city you know what i mean so it's like there I mean, were all these different scenes and musically, different styles of music going on simultaneously in different parts of the city. You know what I mean? So was it um, was there a, a lot of DJs out of there, or they were pretty much doing the same thing? Or a lot of DJs in Houston? You yeah, in Houston. So in oh Houston, yeah. yeah, I would say so. Definitely, definitely. There were lots of DJs, but like I said, different kinds of DJs. There was guys that were doing like the blues clubs and only playing like blues music. You know what I mean? Oh, there's okay. the hip hop guys and there's the, like the house dudes and the, the jungle guys and the this and the that, you know? So it was room for everyone, you know? It was like wide open at the time. So so what made you come over here to Austin? Okay, so so moving, because that's that come much later. I didn't move to Austin until 2003 and right now we're talking about like late 90s. So yeah, there's yeah. a period in between that, like that's, I don't want to miss actually. Okay, because go ahead. It's, it's it's important um, to the to the story. So also during that time too, I, I don't want to um, leave out the fact that I worked for about fifteen or sixteen record labels. There was a company called Griot Communications. Shannon Henderson, shout out to her. She taught me everything that I know about promotions. It was a street team. So at the time when record labels hired you know street teams to promote uh-huh. their music, and you'd get like all of the CDs and you get vinyl and you get posters and we have to go to retail and do all these elaborate displays, you know, before yeah, yeah, like yeah. An, an artist, you know, before our album came out and right. we watching like release dates and all these things, you know what I mean? Was that, did you do an internship or they hired you? It was an internship looking? at first. Okay. But the thing was is, is that was also my way of getting into deeper into the music industry. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I felt like, First of all, it was great because I was getting free records. She was servicing me at first, mm-hmm. and I was getting free records. And so a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that was being played on the radio that was popular, I didn't have to pay for it because she would get promo copies of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I could I just 
buy my my Smith and Wesson and my like, you know, my so underground hip hop or like whatnot. What, what records? Like, give me give me some examples that were popular at the time. Let me think. Um, I don't know, like uh, like the Bad Boy stuff. You know oh. what I mean? Like when all that stuff was like hitting. You know, and every all the song, everything that Biggie Puffy put out was a hit. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That era, the yeah. bad, and then the Death Row era. You know, I worked. That was <laughs> that as well. You know what I mean? And like. Motown, where uh, Erica Badu's first album, you know, I was like instrumental in promoting that in Houston. That was like, it was on Kadar, and Kadar um, picked up, um, Motown picked up Kadar, which was an independent label, and uh-huh. Erica Badu was like their breakthrough artist, I guess. And that was in 98. Yeah. Wait, did you get to meet any, any Oh, absolutely. Guys? Absolutely. But, but at first, you know, I was going to the office and picking up records and I kind of started hanging around a little more and just kind of poking around and I realized that she was she had more work than she could actually do she wasn't able to get to all these record stores by herself and service all these DJs and since I was a DJ and I was already out there and I knew you know kind of who was doing what yeah yeah, yeah. I would help to distribute the records to the DJs that made sense right so if there was a Wu-Tang record I would take it to the Matic DJs if it was some like, I don't know, Puff Daddy thing yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I take it to the radio station and and try to get it played in like the mix show. You know what I mean? Wow. If it was something like some jazzy thing, I take it to DJ Sun. You know, because he had an acid jazz show. It was kind of one of those things. That's why I had the advantage and I used that that bit of knowledge and of you know knowing what DJs were playing what to promote these records. As far as the street facet of promotion so you had a, you had a team on there you were you're managing or was it just like you looking at them that was it yeah it was me and maybe like over the years it was a couple people but they kind of dropped off you know uh-huh. what i mean it's a hard work man it I really bet. is i bet it's hard work i mean it's long hours it's it's a lot of running around it's a lot of like you know it's just a lot to to, to promote a project and you have to think that we were promoting 14 or 15 different individual projects at the same time so you know what i mean so it would be a situation where this album of this artist would come out. Yeah. But then, you know, Tuesdays are the release dates, uh, are like the release dates for new, for new records. Traditionally, yeah. right? So, yeah. So one week you'd have three artists from one label come out on the same day, you know? Mm-hmm. And then next week you'd have someone else come out. And it was this constant Wait, rotation so of music. You work with Death Row? Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, that? That, so, so that was one of the accounts that we had. We had Death Row and we had... Um, Bad Boy at the same time. Bad Boy is a company, I mean, um, like a a smaller company from Arista Records. So they also had some other labels like LaFace, which Outkast was on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it was great because since we had these major accounts, when these artists come into town, we were responsible for handling them. You know what I mean? So oh, I got shit. to meet all these people when they came into town and like they do meet and greets at... You at, met Pac? Uh, I, okay, so... I did meet Pac, but I didn't meet Pac, okay? So I'm going to say this. He wasn't really, like, he wasn't really interested in meeting me. He just wanted to meet, like, women. You know what I mean? (laughs) So we did this show. It was Lady of Rage, Nate Dogg, uh, Snoop, Tupac, uh, Dog Dog Pound, Pound, Danny Boy. Yes. Remember Danny Boy? Mm -hmm. And... Some of the other, like, lesser known. Like RBX and all those other guys. Yeah, and it was a big show. And then afterwards, we ended up at this 
place that I'm not going to say what it is. Okay? <laughs> right? So we ended up at this place, and Pac was there, and but he was just more interested in hanging out with the ladies. You know what I mean? So I never actually I got a chance to just real, talk man. to him. But, yeah, I mean, we were there. We were... We were handling them, you know what I mean? But they have an entourage. These guys don't roll by themselves. No, of course not. I mean, they roll, they like, roll like 20 30 deep. people, 40 deep, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I just remember it, it was like, it was pretty crazy, man. Were you <clears throat> were you around when the whole East Coast, West Coast thing was okay, happening? Okay, yes, because I work for both labels at yeah. the same time. So, I was right in the middle of that. I'd be on a conference call, you know, with Death Row and at the same time, Bad Boy, and they'd be talking smack about each other. And they'd be like, oh, you're, you work for, you know, Bad Boy, and you're like, you're like a sellout and blah, blah, blah. I remember a couple times, like, we, we got, like, some threats, you know, and people just kind of... Holy shit. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It <laughs> I was. I can't imagine. But, yeah, it was pretty crazy, but nothing ever happened, thank God. But, yeah, yeah. You know, just, the, just imagine being in the middle of that when all that was going on, and, you know, it's like... These labels were just fighting to get their placement in in the in the market. Right. So at the end, it was so it's all about right selling records, man. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. So were you, you still did, you were doing that full time, or you were DJing also? No, I mean that was that was you know I was going to school. I was also doing promotions and then DJing too. So I mean I was juggling all of these things at the same time. I was the dude with the backpack, and 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 I always had CDs and tapes and promo stuff and every time people would see me like yo what you got in the back day dog you know what i'm saying like <laughs> i was that guy like for a long time man so you know i i got into the promo game relatively early because i sort of inserted myself into it because i figured you know what if i want to get into the industry and get into like the back part of that's it that's the best way i i got to i got to find some way to get in and so doing promotions was the best teacher for me because i learned i saw you know how labels promoted Unknown artists. So I remember when certain songs by certain artists were their breakthrough records that, that you know, got them the exposure. And it's so to, to this day, you still have connections to all these. All these oh, absolutely. People? I mean, yeah. yes, absolutely. You know, once you make that connection, you you always have that connection. Right. You know right. what I mean? Especially if you do a good job, and then they remember if you don't. So, so how did it move to Austin? So happen? so so uh, you know, I was part of a radio show for like eight years in Houston with DJ Sun on Solo Grooves. Yeah, met the guy, really right, cool, right, cool right. dude, yeah. Um, being part of that radio show was definitely like a big influence to me, opening me up to just experiment with different styles of music and exposing me to different styles of music, mm -hmm. right? Doing that every Saturday for eight years and still, you know, doing DJing and the promo game. At some point, I just kind of felt like I sort of hit the glass ceiling. There wasn't really much more that I felt like that I could do in Houston. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sort of, you know, I graduated from college and I just kind of was looking for something else. Austin made sense to me because it was close. Yeah. Um, it's definitely an emerging scene. And my brother going to UT, I had been going up over the years and like hanging out with him and just like, I, I just kind of fell in love with the town and, just made a decision one day to That's pack it. up and leave. Get your back so back. <laughs> March, two weeks, the week before South by Southwest in March of 2003 is when I moved to Austin. Wow, I've been in Austin longer than you. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody I invited is like, yeah. damn. So, so wild. So you come, you come here and you're like, okay, I'm this cat from Houston. You know, I'm, 
I mean, like you said, you had the glass thing, so everybody knew who you were, everybody knew what you were doing in Houston. Right, so you right. show up in Austin. And, and I had people, to start all over. Exactly. So I'd people hit the didn't reset know you. button. I knew a few people. I did. Yeah. You know, and uh Dave Starsign, definitely. He was extremely helpful in helping me get connected, you know. But uh-huh. my first gig actually in Austin, I'll never forget this. Nick Knack. Big up to Nick Knack. Nickity Knack. Yeah. Big up to Nick Knack for it was at Silhouette Sushi on um on Congress. Congress. Uh he had like a Thursday night there or something, and I just moved in town. I was like, you know, I needed a gig and he basically gave up his spot for the night and gave me, you know, an opportunity to play, make a little bit of loot, you know, and just kind of get through. Because when I moved to Austin, starting all over, I didn't really have a residency. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I just had my records mm-hmm. and my wit. You know what I mean? So you, that's when the promo stuff. So the, I had to do in. something, you know what yeah. I mean, in order to. So I I ate off of mixtapes. I've always been selling mixtapes. See, yeah, that's what I I, that's I how remember I that. It's off of mixtapes. Yeah. I always had mixtapes on me. Like that's that's basically how I was able to. You know, survive. So, for so you were going around while. giving them away, selling them but at gigs, giving them away and selling them. You know, I gave away a lot more than I sold at one point, but yeah. that was just so people could get familiar with you know what it was that I had to bring to the table. So you first, so then, I, I remember. I, I mean, at the time, um, to me, there's like these, like four generations of DJ. Sure, like, there's you, Nick Nag, Baby G, uh, Manny. Uh, don't forget Mel. Mel, of course, Mel. Yeah, of course, Mel. Don't forget Mel. Yeah, no, never. Yeah, I will never forget Mel. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can forget Mel. Yeah. And then you have the protege, the Mike Swing, Abe, and so on, and then the Mighty Mikes and stuff. But at that point, like you, how did you get into that whole circle? I mean, you met Nick, and then after that, well, um, I think was there a lot of DJs at, at that time that were so. Around so, what's different about Austin now as far as the DJ scene? Mm-hmm. Versus when it was when I first moved here, it was wide open. I feel like there were a lot. There were definitely DJs here. Yeah. But as far as DJs playing like the style of music that that I was playing, there were there weren't a lot. There were people were kind of playing. I feel like a mix of everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And and that's just how it was at the time. And so I feel like um, there weren't as many options as far as places to go to hear that hip-hop music like i came after hip-hop hub day oh that was already gone by the time i got here okay so So when i got here yeah so when i got here there were just like events happening i don't remember like a weekly besides mercury room i remember that mercury room with dave miranda um, John Mighty? Yeah, yeah. John Mighty. Uh, we did the Paracatachi thing where we were playing like six turntables at the same time. Myself and uh, DJ Am and DJ Star Sign. Yeah. But I, from what I remember, it was kind of like more of just people had like these events that they would throw. It wasn't like, I, I know Red Fest was going on at the time, but that was not even in my radar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, I just felt like I kind of just, did whatever I could get at the time just so I could meet other DJs and see who was doing what mm-hmm. and see musically, you know, who we sort of spoke the same language. And then it wasn't until I did a guest spot with DJ AM at Red Fez, maybe a Wednesday night he had a Wednesday or something. DJ AM? Yeah, DJ AM. Aaron Morris. Okay. Yeah, Aaron Morris. Um, he had a Wednesday night and he kind of off... Can't ask me to come, and we did like a four turntable thing, 
And, and then I got asked to come back again and do another guest spot. And then eventually that became my Friday night residency at Red Fez. Red Fez, it comes back again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> talk so many times about uh, Red Fez, Red guys. Fez definitely uh, is my first residency in Austin. I did that for three years on Friday, and it was great. It was great. Man, if, if you haven't listened, guys, we did a whole show with uh, Corrupt and Rich about yeah. Red Fez. So go yeah. back and listen to that one. Definitely. Uh, but, yeah, man, because I think, and you say I, I, that I met you there, and then there was Oslo. You were doing stuff there, too. Right. But, like, to me, it was, um, ever since I got to Austin, I was always looking for the hip-hop joint. Sure. That's why when I found out about Hip Hop Hum Day, I was like, holy shit, they have these MCs that get on stage with a band, freestyle, all of that, this kind of hip-hop I like. Yeah. You know, and then um, then Red Fez, and then but the, the Table Manners came around, right. and all of that. So, right. that, I, was always look, I was always on the lookout for that, because to me, whatever was played on the radio, whatever was played in the clubs... It's fun for a little bit. It just didn't speak to you. Exactly. Right. Like, like I grew up, I'm a 90s kid. Yeah. I grew up with, uh, you know, the Mob Deep, the Wu-Tang, the, all, all those guys. And I learned English listening to those guys. Right. So that's more closer to my heart. And I was always looking for that. And right. I think that's how I found out about what you were doing. Sure. And then, you know, what other DJs are doing in Absolutely. town. I was like, I'm just going to follow that. Absolutely. I don't care what the scene is like. I'm Absolutely. just going for music because I know what I like. Right. So were you you already Chicken George at that time, right? I mean, I've always been since seventh grade, actually. Oh, when you started the the group with your friend? You yeah, I was. Chicken? I've always been Chicken George, and that was a childhood name given. You know, it was name given to me in my childhood. I didn't like come up with it myself. It was it was given to me by my classmates. So there's an interesting story behind that. Interesting story behind your name. <laughs> yeah. So you know, my parents being West Indian, we always had chickens growing up. It was just like. You know, we had chickens. They they grew their own vegetables in the backyard. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah. A kind of an agrarian situation, right? So yeah. Roots comes on. Yeah. Right? I go to school the next day. My classmates are calling me Chicken George because they knew we had chickens. And so at first I was not really feeling the name, you know? It's just like, just like some kid banter, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Eventually, I just embraced it and just kind of turned it into something different. But it did come from roots, you know what I mean? I mean, you you you, you saw it and then you're and yeah, you know, it takes like eight episodes to watch it yeah, or whatever, yeah. and it's that it's whole that one that you know, Levar Burton. Yeah, that one dude that that's always with the the scarf and the hat right. and doing. I mean, I'm sorry, fights. I said Levar Burton. I meant Ben Vereen. He was chicken. Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, Ben Vereen. Yeah, Ben Vereen. Um, um, and just out of nowhere, I just started calling you Somebody in school started calling me that. And then then someone else started calling me that. And then other people started. And then it just sort of stuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just sort of like, okay, you know, I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to accept it. You know what I mean? And I think that it, it's, uh, it's been a blessing, actually, just because it's a name that I know that people remember. You know right, what I mean? Right, that is true. Even if you don't know where the original reference comes from and you don't know anything about it, you still remember it. You know what I mean? I mean, anybody with chicken in the name of a uh, DJ yeah, name. I don't know. You will remember is, is there, it. Right? Is there a DJ chicken? Somewhere? Yeah, there is in New Orleans. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, DJ just chicken. chicken. Just chicken. Yeah. Spelled the same way, chicken. Yeah. 504. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know his story. Like, yeah, why is he called chicken? He's just a New Orleans bounce DJ, man. He's Damn. on the radio, too. He's like uh, on their hip hop station or whatever. I'm not sure if he's actively still doing stuff, but I know at one point he was. Because people were confusing us at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. DJ Chicken. Yeah. 
<laughs> still so in the funny. south but two different places that's you know awesome I mean? so um so you come here you're playing vert fez uh did you already develop the whole jazz tronica thing at that point i feel like it was something that i had been developing along the way you just it wasn't know. until i feel like after i left the club scene doing weekly residency at red fez uh-huh I put two records out on a label called Swedish Brandy, and that's when I feel like is when I started to sort of call the style what it is. Do you know what I mean? So what's the, what's the concept behind it for those who don't know? So Jazz Tronica, t- to me, is it's like, because I like so many different styles of music, yeah, and I incorporate so many different types of music from so many different regions and different places of the world. Yeah. Some's familiar, a lot is not. People would ask me, what kind of music do you play? And then I have to give them some reference that they don't know anything about. Right, so right. I decided at some point, I was like, I'll just call it Jastronica. And it's basically mixing and blending different styles of music with a hip-hop sensibility. You know what I mean? I still mix them like I'm playing hip-hop music, but right. it's just not hip-hop. But do you feel like it's, it, there was uh, something missing around town so that okay let me introduce this new thing based on what i like not so much that anything was missing i just kind of wanted to define my style a little bit more all the djs that i that i you know love so much and that i look up to i feel like they have a sound that's like their signature sound Mm -hmm. and i feel like i need i wanted to do the same thing do you know what i mean so that way when people hear my music or they hear, you know, Jastronica, they associate that with me. Right. And it's kind of like taking myself out of the equation, putting the music first. Because I'm, I'm all about that, man. Like, I always want to put the music first. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was a good way for me to take myself out of the equation and just focus on the brand. So when, when you were, so you had your residency at Fez. Yeah. And then you were still playing around town, maybe, oh, not, on yeah. a reg- maybe not on a regular basis. I had it- lots of gigs, even when I was at Fez. I mean, at one point, I remember having almost six nights a week or something like that. I mean, a lot. And then doing, oh. like, private gigs, traveling as well, mm-hmm. fitting that in there when I could, you know. So so you were introducing the concept of just Tonica to yeah, people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how did, they pe- how did people react to it? Um... I didn't really tell them that I was, that's what I was doing. I just yeah, did yeah. You know what I mean? And I, people responded well because, you know, you got some music. It's, it might be some Latin thing, you know, and it might be some, like, dub reggae thing. It might be some up-tempo jazzy thing. It could be some hip-hop instrumental thing. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's mixed and blended into, you know, right, blended, you know, in a, in a tasteful way, people just stay on beat. But but at the end of the day, it is your vision. It Absolutely, is, it is your, you know, celebration of what you like, Absolutely. what and you see, enjoy. So that's my thing as a DJ. I feel like I have a responsibility to be able to educate people, play Thank music you. for them Thank you. that they might not necessarily have access to, and so that's why where I'm the vehicle that I'm able to you know provide that. You know what I'm saying? Thank so, you. That's that's so, a defi- to me. That is. The one of the most important thing about oh, being absolutely. a DJ is say, "Hey, I'm the one with the music. You don't want to come in and see me. Let me show you some music." Absolutely, and react that's why to they're it. coming. You know, it's, it's just to see what we have to say. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And so, um, you're so you're doing uh, gigs all over town. Are you? How do you keep up? With, uh, I mean, you've been in the promote business for a while, 
and you're still consuming music in the sense that you're yeah. still going to record stores. Oh, yeah. Still... Never stop that. Getting promos from record labels and uh-huh. just finding music wherever it is, you know? So to, to um, you collect records. Absolutely. You still do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a whole room. So my whole, have a whole vault. <laughs> my whole place is records. Man, every so, room. So what? What is that? Did you gonna pass it on to the next generation, or is this like, look, I have this, I can play that anytime? You know, the you thing have- is, is it's when I started this, mm-hmm. there were no MP3s, there were no like CDJs, there wasn't any of that. Right. The only way you got it was on vinyl. You know what I'm saying? So coming from that schooling, mm-hmm. it was like how I learned to do what I do, and I enjoy playing records. I love the sound of it, the feel of it. You can read the artwork and see who produced it and who's featured on it and all the other information that comes with that you don't get from, you know, listening to an MP3. Right, right. And so I just have a deep appreciation. I'm a collector as well, so I have appreciation for the format. Is is there a record out there that you're still looking for besides your first record? Uh, Besides my first one? Is there one that I'm looking for? Um, hmm, Ask me on another day because I'm always looking for stuff. No, I mean, you walk, okay, you walk in a record store. And you're just browsing or you're just looking for stuff? It's both. both. You know, I might be looking for something, but a lot of times, you, you know, you just never know what you're going to find. That's the best part about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I might be saying, okay, I'm going here because I want this certain release by this certain artist, and they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And I start digging around and find, you're always going to find something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Always, always. So it's vinyl first, Serato and all that stuff second? Uh, depends oh. on the situation. You oh. know what I mean? Personally, yeah. yes, vinyl. Yes. But for traveling, it gets harder and harder to travel with That's two true. 50-pound crates of records. <laughs> and I did that for a long time, bro. So, I tell you, when I made the switch to Serato was the, one of the last times, you know, when I played in, when I played in uh, New York. Uh-huh. And I had to carry two 50-pound crates up and down the subway, you know, stairs and uh-huh. like, it was hard, man. And I, my, my buddy, Steven, big up Steven, you know what I mean? <laughs> SD, Southern Draw, was with me, and he was hating life, man. I was like, man, <laughs> carrying all these crates around New York, you know? And um, so, so that's when I kind of made the switch to, to, to using a digital library, mm-hmm. you know? But personally, I feel like you can consume music so much easier in its totality, by listening to a record one at a time. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're... You just have that one thing and you focus on that. But when you have so many options, it can become overwhelming. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. People get distracted. They start listening to other things. And, you know, an album is is what it is. It's, it's an entire project. Yeah. I mean, we used to... I remember um, the first album, hip-hop album I heard was Doggy Style. And yeah. I would listen from beginning to end. Start to end, yeah, because like, the told story. I wouldn't skip. I, absolutely, I wouldn't skip. Absolutely. When, when, that's, how you, that's how the albums were set up, so you had to listen to them yep. from start to end. It's, there wasn't any flipping around trying to find your favorite track or any no, of that. It was just buying the track itself. It was or, like you was get the whole thing. You get the whole thing. Yes. Because that's how you understand what the artist's vision was, you know what I mean, by, by listening to it from start to end in its totality, all the skits in between and yep. everything. Like I, 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 I love that, that so much when, exactly. when artists of this day and age still bring that into their projects. You yeah, know I mean, mean, interludes, one thing I, lo- I loved to do uh, back then, and I was in France, but we still had 
you know, records right. and we saw vinyls. There's French stuff coming out everywhere. I used to just read the back of it. Sure. And uh, kind of figure out what the real names of the, the artists were. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> they're produced by so-and-so. Calvin Rodas. Yeah, Calvin Rodas. <laughs> this is Clifford Smith, sure. a.k.a. Method Man. This yeah. is Albert Johnson, oh, yeah. a.k.a. Prodigy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like... Oh yeah, they have they have real names. Yeah, and, you can and just then, learn so much. And then you have this whole paragraph of shout outs they used to exactly. put on exactly. And based and looking at that, I was like, exactly. okay, if they shout out this cat, maybe I, have I need to go, go check, check this out. guy out. Exactly. Exactly. And then some of them had booklets and they had lyrics in them, right. so I would learn those by heart. And the cameos. Yep. And they had a um, remember for a while back in late nineties. You had CDs that were deep, not deep, that were CD-ROMs. Yeah, so they had a video or something yeah, embedded like, into Wu-Tang the... Yeah, like Forever was one of yeah. them. At the Speed of Life exhibit oh, yeah. was another one. Oh, yeah. So all of that is just this whole project, this whole universe is sure. just right there. Sure. You know, on the CD, on the vinyl. But now it's like, okay, well, here, here's a song. Right. Read the read the ID3 tag if, <laughs> if you sure, want. Sure, sure. Definitely a different game. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, do you um, so when you're playing, is there like a target audience that you're shooting for, or is it like you know? I I won't say that there's a target audience because I operate in so many different musical arenas. So it just kind of depends on the requirement musically of whatever event it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if I'm playing overseas in Canada, it might be a little bit more up tempo, a little bit more like you know. A little more up on the up-tempo side, yeah, yeah. a little more on the electronic side, but not necessarily, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If I'm playing wherever else, depending if it's a private event, if it's, it just kind of depends. You so know? You're, you're still reading the audience, and you yeah. just, based on that, this is my palette. Absolutely, because, you know, I, I have a, a, a long history of doing this, you know? So, but as a DJ, too, we also observe people, you know what I mean? Right. And so I'm able to quickly assess what I need to do based on, a few records in, I can tell, all right, I know where I need to go. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that that's a skill that takes time to develop. Over time, you learn how to sort of read a crowd and be able to read it quickly. You know what I mean? Yes. And sort of be able to say, oh, I can I can go in this direction. You get a reaction and you just ride with that. Yeah, I'm not, I forgot who I had on the show uh, said this. I don't know if it was Protégé or maybe, I think it was Orion. It was like, yeah, you pick out little... Like pockets of people in the crowd, and then you just and you're just like, okay, if them. that person, if if that crowd has has been jumping for 15 minutes, if I play something and then they go get a drink or they sure. sit down, then, then oh, I need to do something. Needs something else, exactly. And actually, sometimes, most of the times, I was that dude. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. But we need that as in order to do what we do effectively. Do you right. know what I mean? Right, right. It's a it's a two way conversation, man. So, yeah, but up to a point because when it comes to song requests, it kind of gets. When I say conversation, meaning we provide the sounds and you react. Yes. You know what I mean? So people sometimes feel like, you know, that I don't mind requests, but as long as they're in the vein of what it is that I'm doing. If somebody comes up and asks for something completely off the mark, it just shows me that they're not really paying attention. You know what I mean? And maybe they're not that that cognizant of that. Like, maybe they don't think of it in, in terms of that, but... They think in terms of jukebox. Maybe they just the want to hear MP3. what they want to hear, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, and it goes back to, yeah, just a bunch of MP3 players, and I can just skip one song and go Oh, really? This comes back to just let us do what we do. That's why we're here. Exactly. We're the experts. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, let's get into So you're playing all over town. Oh, by the way, I wanted to ask you, are there some uh, record stores here that you still check out? Oh, yeah. I was just at Breakaway Records, like, Couple days ago, 
Yeah, okay, shout out guys. to Gabe, Josh, and Scott. Yeah. Um, Friends of Sound. That's one of my oh, favorite Congress, ones. Yeah. yeah, Dave Hafner and um, Martin. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Cyrus D. Oh, so, big yeah. up to those cats. That's right, yeah. Uh, I love End of an Ear. That's in my neighborhood, so I'm always there all the time. Antone's records. It just kind of depends on what I'm looking for because different record stores, they don't all carry the same thing. Mm-hmm. They serve, you know, different um, different crowds, different different customers, you know? I remember going to Waterloo. And no, course, no Waterloo. Um, Tower. Yeah. Tower Records. Yeah, on, totally, on, totally. On the drag. Back and then there's the ones that aren't around anymore, but, I mean, yeah, yeah. just kind of depends i just try to frequent them all man you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's dope man it's still collecting all this oh, yeah, all this yeah. music i don't think i never stop man <laughs> it's like you have a whole house just for that pretty much <laughs> so you're in austin you're doing gigs and everything and with all the connections and all the promote stuff you're yeah. doing like you were able to do all, a bunch of uh events like, oh put yeah all- oh yeah so so one of the things that some people might know if you were here around that time was, you know, when Sion was coming to Austin and I bringing all that, the man. shows and the, doing the metros and all the hip-hop shows. Still giving away hats. Doing and all of that. KRS one came through, I remember. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I was actually the one responsible for bringing Sion to Austin. How did that happen? Uh, so, so I had a relationship with Herb Magazine. Yeah. And they had the Sion account, and they were kind of looking to, do, to find cities to be able to sort of promote the Sion brand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they already had Houston on their radar. They said, okay, we want to do this in Houston because obviously it's the fourth largest city in the United States. And mm-hmm. in Texas, it makes sense to do it there. Not ever coming to Austin or ever coming to, to Houston. They just kind of did it on statistics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, they contacted me and said, hey, we want to put together this Metro, which basically what it is is they'll do a free show. You just give your you know, email address. Email, yeah. And it was uh, some hip-hop icon for free. Yeah, I remember. Right? So the first show that we did was in Houston, actually. And they were so set on doing it in Houston. And I kept trying to convince them, let's do it in Austin. Let's do it in Austin. And they were just like, Austin? (laughs) Nah. You know, that's not our market. They would do it here now. (laughs) Sure. But but the first show I did was with P-Rock and Premier in Houston. Mm -hmm. And that show went over well, obviously. I mean, who's not going to go see P-Rock and Are you kidding free, me? Right? Yeah. But, but, but then eventually, after coaxing and just sort of like massaging it, I convinced them to do a Metro in Austin. And the first show was Grandmaster Flash, Biz Marquee at the Parish. That's where do you remember were. that show? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first show. And the response on that, I mean, first of all, I feel like the RSBPs were quadruple the capacity of the room yep the line was down wrapped around the building like more than once you know what i mean i remember it was crazy bro like they'd never seen anything like that and the reps just couldn't believe that this was the type of response that they were getting from austin and i'm like this is a college town you know what i mean there's a there's a a, a history of hip-hop music here you know what i mean and yeah like, and the people were hungry people for that will come of... for this because yeah. Who wouldn't want to go see De La Soul for free? Who wouldn't want to go see Jazzy Jeff for free? Who yeah. wouldn't want to go see, you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't know you were behind so, that. So, yeah, I was the one that brought it to Austin, and then ever since then, and then from there, it just kind of took off, you know? And then after that, I guess, uh, then Red Bull came later, yeah. and then I feel like, what's that, the, the, the brand that Toyota was, Yaris? 
they were trying to do something for a little bit. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And a couple of other little, little like, so, companies. So then how did they find out about you? Did you start? Um, just, you know, uh, Earth Magazine was reviewing my mixtapes uh-huh. from, like, you know, my, my Houston days. So I sort of had somewhat of a relationship. And they just kind of reached out to me. Somebody knew that I worked for a bunch of record labels, so they knew I had some experience with promotions. Yeah. And said, would you be interested in, in, in picking up this account? And once I figured out, found out the scope of it and who was involved, of course. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Do you know what I mean? And so then from there, it's just, oh, man. I mean, so many great shows have, have come. There was a Caravan show. I'm not crazy, right? There was a what? A Caravan oh, yeah, one yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that one. There were so many. Man, yeah, so Femi Kuti, um, yep. that one, Wu-Tang, how could we forget? The Ka Hip Hop Orchestra, oh. MF Doom, and Helmet. I, I missed that one. Yeah, I, 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 was, I spun on it, and I, and I got the opportunity to spin on all of these, which was great, too. So uh-huh. it was just like, it was nice, you know, just be able to put the show together and also be able to play on the same All bill. the hip hop I like. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh yeah, it's just, uh, just something people might know, something they might not know, but now they do, you know? No, I mean? And again, it all comes back to, you know, like you said, your experience with getting into the business early. Oh, absolutely. And that goes back to what T-Double was saying uh, on, on our uh, previous show. Like, go out there and, you know, do an internship. I know T-Double did one at uh, Arista back then. Exactly, yeah, and that's how the, the good vibe yeah. thing came, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. learn the ropes, and right. then you'll be way ahead of everyone else. Of everyone right. else, because, you know, you'll be in your mid-20s, right. and you're just doing gigs around town. You're stuck. You'll know what to do. Sure. But if you start early and trying to get your hands on, uh, get your foot in the door with all these, you know, whether it's a record company, you're sure. doing promo, or sure. helping a DJ out, it's sure. a great way to start. Wait, so I want I want to go back to the to, to the promo stuff uh, real quick. The death row thing still gets oh, <laughs> still crazy to me. Yeah, that was de- yeah death row. So many so many interesting like things would happen around because man, those guys were gangsters, man. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, so you were around when uh, all that all came that, out, man. Yeah, so I remember uh, it was '96. Yeah, all, 90, all, all on me, on me, right? yeah. came out. I remember getting a box of. LPs with you know with uh, the artwork, CDs mm-hmm. and cassette tapes, and we got them like maybe two or three months before it actually hit the street day. Yeah, that was leverage for me. You know what I mean? Because everyone knew I had it, and they was like, "Hey man, what's up with that Pac?" You know what I mean? I I got a one situation where I remember that I had I was sniping in in Third Ward. So sniping is the same thing as like wheat pasting. You know, and you're just putting up posters and. You know, on oh, buildings. billboards? Yeah, and I was okay. doing that. It was like 3 in the morning because that's the only time you could do it, obviously, right? Yeah. And not get caught. And I'm putting up these All Eyes on Me posters, which I still have some to this day, <laughs> right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, flashing lights. Whoop! Yeah, and I was like, oh, man. You got me, you know? And that's illegal, you know? So yeah, yeah. I could have easily went to jail and this cop comes out and he's all like, Oh man, what are you doing? You know, you know, what are you doing out here? You're not supposed to do that. He's like, what are you putting up here? Tupac. Tupac, what, what do you what do you what do you have to do with this? And I was like, oh, I work for the label and I'm just out here promoting, you know, and 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 um and we started talking and I was like, Yeah, well, you know, I got a copy of the album, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> That's leverage. <laughs> yeah, I have a copy of the album, so you know, if you if you wouldn't if you would like a copy of it, I could totally hook it up. I gave him the C D, he went on about his way, man. Just 
just, he's like, be safe. You know what I mean? Like, be careful out here, man. You know what I mean? Just got me out of some sticky situations just to, having, like, promo stuff. You know all eyes I mean? on me got you out of jail. Oh, Out yes. of any trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Holy shit. Yeah. Pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, so they put you, they, they, they tell all these kids to go around and promote, and you're supposed to do all these. Well, they don't crazy tell things? us to do that. Oh, okay. We just, they just give us the tools, and we got to figure out a way to promote it. You know, get, so get I use those posters it. to, in retail, and do these elaborate, intricate displays with the posters, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'd do whatever I needed to do to promote it to whomever was the target audience. Do you know what I'm saying? So we go to the clubs. And after it was over with, we have these little sampler CDs with like, you know, death row sampler CDs or CDs or cassettes at the time uh-huh. and just hand them out, you know, to go to like the hood spots, you know, where people were actually listening to that music. You know what I mean? And so hustling, man, that's just crazy. Oh, yeah. 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 Love it. But 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 it was great because I just used the promo game to get me in and out of a lot of situations. Put it like that. You know what I mean? It's always that's, leverage. That's, you know what yeah, I mean? If you dope. have something that somebody likes, a tape or CD or some what? artist that they like, I guarantee you can get in anything, get anywhere you want. You I mean, know what I mean? You got lucky it was like a Rolling Stones fan or, oh, right, right. <laughs> or a Willie Nelson right. fan. Like, right. Who's this Tupac right. character you're right. talking about? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you get in the back of the car, son. It was fun, though, man. <laughs> it was great. It was a great experience, too. I mean, it's pretty much taught me everything that I know about you know the promo game. Damn, that's a... Yeah. So if you're listening to this... Uh, you want to get in that like hustle your way, man, because there's so much you can do. Especially, I mean, now with social media, yeah. it's much easier. This is before all of that. Yeah, yeah. You so, know what but mean? it's not. I think that social media is great, but there's still uh, there's nothing like you know walking Getting up in the to trenches. people, yeah, and, and, and meeting talking someone, to them. talking yeah. to them, and like, yeah, yeah. Because just doing it's, a Facebook invite or a mass definitely not newsletter, it's not sure. doesn't work. Maybe for younger generations, but for you know, people, people like, like ourselves. Us, yeah, right. I don't think it would work that well. Right. So, um, sorry, we're jumping around a lot. No problem, man. So, you're still in Austin doing your thing, Jastronica. Right. So, at one point, you decide, okay, now I reached the glass ceiling in Austin. I got to get out. I got to well, go. I, I, I don't want to say I reached, reached the glass ceiling, so to speak. Yeah. I'm just growing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, when I put those two records out it's on Swedish Brandy, mm-hmm. I just felt like I wanted to sort of take a break from doing the weekly thing in Austin. They were put out in, you know, on a, on a Swedish label. So I started to get bookings in Europe and, you know, overseas and all these other places. You know what I mean? So I just felt like it was time for me to take advantage of these opportunities that were presenting themselves. Yeah. And so um, I just kind of removed myself from the weekly rotation, you know, and I still was doing gigs every now and then. You had the Malverde thing for... But that came that four came years later. later. Oh, okay, never mind. So there was a big four-year hiatus that I didn't have a residency. I only was just, like, traveling and doing stuff around town, you know, just, like, shows and guest spots or whatnot. And people already know knew of you. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, you know, one thing I want to point out about Red Fez is where I introduced my shirt line. The, that's the right. CG shirts. That's it right. Was that I Red Fez? That's, yeah, I got one. That's exactly where I where all of that started. Was that Red Fez? From the hats and the shirts and everything that came from that. Mm-hmm. I remember getting and how I introduced them. I thought it was pretty clever. I took twelve of my really beautiful 
female friends and I gave them all a shirt and told them to show up Friday at 1230 all at the same time. And that was, they all these girls come in and they're wearing a CG shirt and they just sort of just set it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, and how that's it works. And then everyone's like, where can I get one of those shirts? I started taking orders there and then it just, it is what it is. I mean, now. you have a, I said that there's that picture I keep seeing of Erica Badu. Yeah, with the, the, shirt the, up. the one that's there forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll probably never take that one down. No, maybe, don't, maybe don't, that. don't. Yeah. That's, that's just, uh, that's classic right there. Yeah. And so uh, you started, like, you starting. I mean, that's, well, you're playing overseas, yeah. different crowd, different culture. Oh, was, yeah. Did, did it matter or at all? No, not at all, because I was able to, you know, figure out. Because you have to understand, at that point, people were hiring me for the sound that they had been hearing for this long. You know, I've been putting mixes online for a long time, yeah, even yeah. back in Houston. So I, I, I figured out that that was a good way for me to expand my audience as well, you know, and get mm -hmm. people outside of Texas to be able to, to hear what I do. Mm -hmm. So when this record came out, people sort of kind of put two and two together, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just started getting contacted to, to play in all these great places in Amsterdam and Sweden and... Yeah, Canada. Canada and, and Paris and oh, the shit. list goes on. Middle East and the list goes on and on and on, man. Well, you know? so... So there was never really like a, a defining moment, something that really put you on the map as far as uh, um, notoriety and people really finding out about you. Because I put just kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, it's all of those things, but I feel like when I put those two records out mm -hmm. on on that international label is when the international market just opened up itself even more. Yeah, and people were contacting me to come over there and DJ. You know, yeah, what I mean? and, and they knew what to expect. It's not like they would say. Okay, well, Chick and George, we're paying you X amount of dollars to fly all the way here, but we want you to play something that's no. Not they want me to play, play what, what I you play. do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? See, that's a luxury that you know not a whole lot of DJs have. Sure. I feel. Sure. So, I mean, you put in the work all these years, and Absolutely. now people respect you and for what you do, Absolutely. and they're not looking for anything else outside of that. Yeah. So you're doing all you're doing festivals, you're doing Fest all, all kinds of events, club events, pub events. Yeah, huge festivals, like you said. I mean, and you you opening up for different huge names. Yeah, different different artists. I mean, yeah, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, yeah, Premier, Roots, Africa Bambada. I mean, Badu, of course. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, who else? Um, you have a list. I, I just so I could keep my 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 thoughts together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Mayor Hawthorne. Oh, Sharon man. Jones and the Dap Kings, uh, Aloe Black, yeah. Bob Schneider, the Whalers, you know what I mean? Of course, Grupo Fantasma, the Hometown Heroes, you yeah. know, uh, Funkadelic, the Neptunes, um, Steve Miller Band. You ever been, like, with all these great names, do you ever got, you ever got starstruck? Just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting. I don't um, know. You know, I've been around artists all the time yeah, for a true. long time like a long time so mm -hmm. to get starstruck not so much but there's definitely a, a deep appreciation for what they do now i will tell you one person i would be starstruck around sade really helen where are you like if if i meet her i probably would just like faint or something i don't know man she's <laughs> like my favorite artist of all time you never you know? had a, you never had a chance i haven't or? but i've seen her and you know she's just like this magic person it's like she's not even a real person man you know what i mean yeah so yeah. what what was your your first huge show like i mean you're doing like thousands of people first huge show yeah 
like on the main stage, like you're not necessarily opening. You're like, okay, this is Chicken George doing the thing. Oh, um, I would say probably like the shows in Sweden that I did with VG Skills back in the day. Oh, Vzilla, Vzilla, yeah. I was his DJ. Fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I was I, VG. You know what? So that's how I got to Sweden. That's another. That's how I got to Sweden for the very first time because we went on the road. I was his DJ. Man, because you know, I, I mean, I found out about Vzilla. Um, in a, I think in the late '90s, early 2000, and because I was listening, I mean, like I said, the kind of hip hop I like was the East Coast stuff. Sure, I was down sure. with some West Coast stuff. Sure, and then I found out about Chaotix. <laughs> oh man, I found out about I found out Chaotix. My I'm brothers, like, and I'm like, I, I this guy's from Houston, and, right? And, and I was like, not into yeah. Southern hip hop sure. at all. Sure, and I forgot how I found out about Chaotix. It was sure. totally random. Sure. And then by extension, I was like, okay, some other guys had a use and I and found out Vizilla. about Vizilla. Yeah. And yeah. I got it, got his stuff. I oh, yeah. love it. That's awesome, man. I didn't know. That's all I had. That's awesome. Just so oh, that's great, man. He'll 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 love to hear that. And I did I did meet um uh I think the R came to my yeah. birthday one time. Oh, yeah. I met, I oh, met yeah. him then. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh Russell. man, Vizilla. Yeah, yeah. And I know Victor since High school, you know what I mean? Like, we've known each other for a very long time. So we were all rapping together, you know yeah. what I mean? And and uh, he's still doing his thing now. Big up to him. You yeah, know I, need, I need to keep up because I haven't heard yeah, of Yeah, he's still doing his thing, man. He's still doing his thing, I need to go back and keep up. Um, what's, like, one of the craziest gigs you had you, you played? I read about a couple, but I won't. Uh, more recently, because there's been so many, but I would say... Doing the Virgin Galactic party, Richard Branson. I what, did that. What was you know uh, at at um it was a private event uh-huh. at the California Science Center and uh, and uh, in Los Angeles, and I got hired to do. So you know they're sending people up, you know, in the spaceship. Virgin Galactic is right. It's really expensive. It's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars per person to to fly up. You know, what do you mean fly up? I, what? Like in a in a in a in a spaceship. It's like a they're offering this service for people to, you know, fly up. What, to the moon? To the mo- Yes. To, I guess to the moon or just out of, like, the stratosphere. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. But okay. I know, I know. Going, it's just like going. some rich people stuff. Man. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. It's totally um, out of my league. <laughs> so, so I got flown in to DJ a party for Rich Branson. Uh, Special Shuttle Endeavor. You know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it know was that there, one. like, hanging up in, in the room in front of me. Like, it was crazy, man. I mean, there's enough but like billionaires at this party, you know, people who could actually obviously afford to go up in the space shuttle, you know what I mean? And like super extravagant, he yeah. flew in in a helicopter, you know, like that kind of thing. And he's like, did the <laughs> Russell Simmons, hey, everybody, thanks for coming out. Good night. And bounced, you know, Russell that kind Simmons of showed up. No, no, no. He, he did. Oh, the he Russell, did the Russell Simmons. Yeah. The yeah. Russell Simmons thing. You know what I mean? And just like, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like, uh. It was a little bit unreal, just because everything was so larger than life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and you did your thing, and they were dancing. They were oh yeah, yeah. With oh yeah, it was great. You know, but but it's different doing a party for like some millionaires versus like yeah. us. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. Of not course. the same. I read about one that you did um, the the sound wave in Vancouver. Oh yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, talk about that one because when I read it, I was like, that, yeah. that's got to so, be the so craziest thing. There's a there was a festival. It's it's not going on anymore, but it went on for probably like twelve years. Uh-huh. 
um, and then it's off the coast in Vancouver Island. Um, and it's just a local music festival held by, you know, like this, this local production group. Mm-hmm. And in order to get there, you either have to take a boat, you got to get flown in, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a big effort. It's in the middle of the woods for three days. Wow. It's like multiple stages, different styles of music. There's music playing 24 hours to keep the bears away. It's like that, though. <laughs> keep you know the bears saying? away. Yeah, it's like that, right? Um, so I get flown in the first time to play. That was the first time I actually played to, uh, at Canada. Yeah. And I got flown in on those little, like, tiny Cessnas. Yeah. And we're flying to the gig, and you see, I'm seeing, like, orcas breach in the ocean. It was flying really low, you know, so I could see them, like, right there. And bears running in the woods. Like, that was crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was, they built the stage, and it was on the beach, and my backdrop was the ocean, basically. So I'm playing, and the sun's setting, and, I'm, and people were dancing and having a great time, and it was just, like, amazing. Do you, do you like, um, I know you record a lot of your sets. Yeah, I try to record as many as possible. Right. I mean, I'm always recording, But actually. do you actually, is there a... Do you write notes or something? Because there needs to be a book about the life of... Nah, not really. But I remember what, you know, when I construct every... When everyone was constructed, obviously, if it's a life situation, like, I'll listen to it and remember exactly what was going on at the time uh-huh. when I did it. No, I mean, I mean, you got stories for days yeah, with everything... Yeah, totally, Everything totally. You're, you've been through. Canada's been great. Because, I mean, from that gig, it pretty much opened, you know, me up to playing to, to Canada. Mm-hmm. That was in... Uh, I, seven and every year multiple times a year i get flown up to play there jay boogie's gone up there with me a few times and we've done gigs and it was mm-hmm. like, it's great canadians they they just show so much love man man i can't i can't imagine i can't just beautiful sorry, picturesque it's like you know it was like a national geographic <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying like so but then so you're going you're going overseas you're playing all the different countries different cities and you come back to Austin right. with fresh eyes, I would think. Cause, sure. Because, I mean, if you look at the past five, five to seven years, it's, I think it's changed a lot. I mean, and that, that's, that's coming from someone sure. who lives no, here. No, you're, you're right. And you're somebody that's part of the scene. So you have, right. you know, the, the authority to say that. So for someone like you who goes out, comes back in, like, how do you see, how, how have you experienced the scene changing? I here? just feel like each place is different. You know what I mean? And experience the scene in Austin, meaning I feel like it's been, it's growing. It's been growing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot more options now than there were before. And, you know, there's a lot of great options. There's a lot of exceptional options. So people that want to try to say, you know, this or that about the Austin scene, I'm just kind of like, well, where are you going? Because there's... So much great stuff happening here, man. Yeah, that's why I keep. That's, Do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I don't understand when people try to say, "Oh, it's the this same and that. stuff." I mean, you know how it is, man. People like things to stay the same, right? That's so true. they don't like change. They don't like, you know, they like to have it their way and have it the same time. But not everything changes. We both know that, right? Right, right, right. And I feel like it's changed for the better because of the fact that there are more options in there, like musically. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like so many more things that are are here now that weren't here five years ago. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said many times on the show, uh, when people tell me, yo, back 
you know, I want to go out, but I know what's going on. And I'm tired of the same stuff. Every weekend's the same. I'm like, because you do it the same. But there's plenty of stuff to check out. Oh, there's, there's there so many, is. And there, there's multiple lot, times. There's a lot of DJs coming night. through. I mean, yeah. I mean, just pick pick a Wednesday. Absolutely. Pick a Tuesday. You'll Absolutely. find something. I was at a yes last night. Yeah. I ended up at an E42 short show. Yeah, I, I, I heard about that. Exactly. <laughs> I had no idea. And exactly. I, it would exactly. just ended up there. Exactly. So, I mean, it's really, you know, either you do your homework or you know people who know. Yeah, and we also have to realize, too, that these artists want to come to Austin. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? They want to be here. They mm-hmm. want to perform here. So, that's where we benefit from that. You know what so, I mean? So, um, are you... Looking to like bring some more stuff back this way. I mean, like I'm always, you know, there's people always contacting me all the time. I'm always going to be, you know, doing things here in town. But as far as holding a weekly residency, I won't okay. do that because I just don't honestly have the time. No, I mean, that, look, that that's totally fine. Yeah, I just don't have the time, man. You got to spread the Jashonica love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like that's what's been been working for me, and so I have to, you know. Put my my time and my effort into that, but I mean, in, in a way, you're you're still keeping up with what's happening. I mean, no, you're working, absolutely, you're working with uh, the Austin Boogie Crew. Oh uh, yeah, big up to Austin Boogie Crew. Yeah, Dan I mean, Bone, Spence and those Cyrus guys, D, those Teresa guys. Funk. If you ever been to Austin Boogie Crew party, uh, they bring the funk, hey, dude. I look between them and uh, people like Maharlani and Shani. Yeah. like those are yeah. some funk heads. Yeah, absolutely, and funk and disco heads, and they'll put out stuff that you don't know. Oh, absolutely. But your feet will thank you later. Exactly, man. And your ears will thank That's you why later. I love it's it one so of those. Too. So That's how did, how did that happen with Dan and uh, basically, the, Dan, the Dan's? <laughs> well, you know, I've been uh, following those guys for a while. You know, and I went to some of the parties on the on the earlier side. They asked me to be be a guest a few times, and yeah. I have a lot of that music too. So just we vibed, and they were just like, "Hey, man, what do you think about joining the crew?" And I was like. Sure, why not? This is great. I love what you guys do. I respect <laughs> what they do. You know, I'm all about it's like they they established this sound, right? Mm-hmm. And they're 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 pushing this sound and I'm I'm all about that. You know, people doing what they do. Peligrosa, mm-hmm. big yeah. up to those guys. Powerhouse, man. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm all about people doing their thing and pushing their thing. Chorizo Funk and Riders Against the Storm with the body rock. Yep. I could go on and on and on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, Toddy me, B. feedback. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's a whole other conversation. We could just do a whole show of shout-outs, man. <laughs> that's true. For real. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So, I, and you just had a, uh, released uh, your first. Yeah, it was uh, a first release from Austin Boogie Crew Records from a local artist named Solar Shield. Uh, we put out a 45. Uh-huh. It sold out in a week. Amazing I, for our and, first release, man. It's sold. It's it's already so the, it's it's already gone. Europe took half of those copies, and then a distributor here in the United States took some of the copies, and then a lot of them sold online. But are you, you going to press some more so you can get some more or get it online or something? Uh, we had we had a little meeting about that, and um, I don't really want to speak on that just okay, because you know. But we're just gonna give this release an opportunity to sort of uh, get out there, get people start. You know, reviewing it and mm-hmm. talking about it, playing it out, and then see what happens from there. You know what I mean? That's dope. We man. definitely have some plans uh, as far as what we're gonna do, but so were you, I just don't really want to speak on those right now. So, were you like part of the production? Like, what was your uh, as far as well? The, uh, you know, Danny, Danny uh, Spence. Yeah, he's the I would consider him the label manager. He started the label. Okay, I contributed financially. 
you know what I mean? When he said, hey, we want to do this thing and put this out. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, you know what? I want to help out, make this 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 happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We just pulled the funds together between us, the you know, Dan Bone and Spence and myself. Yep. Um, you know, got the vinyl pressed up. And so this guy's local that uh what's his name? Solar, Solar Shield. Shield. Yeah, local? he's from here. Yeah, we're having a release party at Vinyl in a couple of weeks. Okay. For him, so yes, uh stay tuned to that guys. Yeah, yeah check that out. And uh then you're working with uh your boys from back in the days. Yeah, so Marco Savantos, Mexstep, aka Aztec M, big up to that <laughs> brother. Um he was part of Wasted Youth. Yeah. Um he's a professor at UTSA now. So oh. he's what's, a, what's, he, what's he teaching? Mexican American cultural studies. You know what I mean? So it's like the album, and also uh, Easy Lee. He's the other MC. He's yeah. an established esteemed poet from Mojo, from a band from San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And uh, the two of them together hooked up during South by Southwest a few years ago. They put an album out. He got the album to me. It really spoke to me. And we, Marker and I. He's a solo artist, and yeah. so it's easy. And he didn't, and Marco have been talking about a way for us to work together again because it's been it's been a while, you know. Yeah. And when I heard the album, I was like, dude, this this record is incredible, man. Like I, I'd love to be a part of this. So they didn't have a DJ before, and obviously it made sense. I mean, yeah, I grew I mean, up with this know, guy, yeah, exactly. You know, so um, I became inducted into the group. And my introduction as Third Roots DJ was the Mind Elevation mixtape that we put out in MLK Day, like, last year. Nice. Did really well. We shot a music video there. And mm -hmm. the thing that a lot of people don't know is San Antonio has the big, the largest um, MLK march in the United States. Really? Yeah. See, that's another thing. See, San Antonio. Hey. Don't sleep on San Antonio. Like I said on the last show, always go to bed less stupid. Right. So... You got to learn. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, we just put this album out a few days ago, actually, uh, last week. And uh -huh. it's called Revolutionary Theme Music. And it's also, uh, it's produced by a producer from San Antonio, Greg G. He did all the beats on the album. And mm -hmm. we have guest features from all sorts of people. And it's And it's that... That hip hop, that kind of hip hop. So, so we like to say that. I mean, it's definitely socially conscious, Engage, yeah, yeah, engaging hip hop. I mean, he's a professor, you yeah. Know? Exactly. So he brings that historical references of black brown relations into the project, but without preaching to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so they do a really great job of of just educating you. Like when I listen to that album, I feel like I'm going back to school or something. You know, it's great. Because <laughs> there's so many things that, that are within the lyrics, and you really got to listen to what he's saying, you know? So it's just taking it back to that time of the music, that uh, hip-hop that I grew up to, where it was about, you know, lyrics. You know what I mean? And you I'm a purist, just like you are, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> so I love it because it's, you know... And, and I, I honestly, I, um, what I, like I was saying earlier, the fact that, yeah, you're still in, you can still be in Texas. Yeah. You know... San Antonio, I had no idea. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Like, like I said, Vizilla, Chaotix, those guys, like, that's the kind of hip-hop that I didn't even know existed. Right. And, like, I had no idea San Antonio had, you know, cast out that. Oh, I actually yeah. listened to uh, one of the, um, um, I don't know if it was a mixtape or what, but there was some Third Root stuff on it. So right. So I definitely right. 
being a purist and enjoy and really liking this kind of stuff, it's definitely worth checking out. I, I oh, like absolutely! It. I really like it. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying that either. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm I'm behind the project and I just uh, I'm an advocate of what we're trying to say, what we're trying to present. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's been an hour and twenty minutes, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could go all night, bro. No, we could. I mean, I know I know it's going to be a long one. So, but real quick, I mean, you you've worked with. I don't know how many people, so many big names, sure. and and you probably had some that came to you and were like, "Holy shit, this is awesome! What you're doing, like, right? Give me some uh, some names and you know." St- so just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York and I did a guest spot at Mobile Mondays, and that's an all forty fives night. That's like from ten to four a.m. Uh-huh. Some of the best DJs, a a a plus DJs in 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 New York. Natasha Diggs and Misbehavior, Just Blaze is part of that yeah. crew, um, and I got the opportunity to play a guest set on there, and I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm just gonna say it, I was ripping it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I knew the caliber of the other DJs that were playing that right. I had to be on my thing, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, I couldn't be fudging around, like, I, every record had to make some sort of an impact. And by the time I was done, all those dudes are like hanging over the booth and like, what is that? And asking me what this is. And I look up and uh, I knew Just Blaze was there because he played right after me. Mm-hmm. His young guru, Jay-Z's producer, he was there and he was just like giving me props. Dinko D from Leaders of the New School, Mr. Len from Company Flow, Jerobi, you know what I'm saying? Jerobi. 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 Jerobi, Jerobi. And so many other people that were there hanging out in the room and the, the vibe and the energy was just incredible, you know? And I couldn't ask for anything more than that. It was just like a, one of the greatest feelings either, you like, know, ever to, to be able to have people that you look up to to validate what it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? That's right. I mean, if, even if someone like you on their radar... Oh yeah, because then they're asking me when you're coming back. Yeah, exactly. Hey man, we we got a bigger, you know, uh, venue downstairs in the basement, and we do big shows there. We'd love to have you come back. That do, type of situation. Do you uh, do you usually prepare for shows, or do you just like kinda... in some capacity? In some capacity, I do, but I never plan a set out and say I'm yeah. going to play this record mm-hmm. in this order. This I never do that. I've never done that. And you have you have your stuff pretty much organized. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has to be. It has to have some sort of organization, or. I, it would just sound random, or mm-hmm. I would never be able to find what I'm looking for. You right. know what I mean? So there's some rhyme or reason behind it, but it's just not like... I know some people that do sets, and they do you know, song per song in the order that way it's supposed to be, yeah. regardless of what's going on in the crowd. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're just playing a set, and I've never done that, ever. I mean, and there's also the, the whole, okay, I'm going to do like a 15-minute set of this, and a 30-minute set of that, and maybe a Another there could 50. be some of that too, but it just kind of depends on you know. Yeah. I give it to the crowd and they give it back to me, and that's that's how I work. You know what I'm saying? And even if it's five people and somebody's reacting to whatever it is I'm doing, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna give give it all my best. Like there's five thousand people in the room. You know <laughs> what I mean? I mean, just uh, again, you're just putting the music for first. It's always the music first, man. Always. That's how it's always been. That's my mantra. What have we learned today, kids? it's about the music it's about the music and and also too i feel like it it humbles me too do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like if i'm not like i see some people do it's all about them putting themselves first 
right? Yeah, you see those. It's all about the egos, and that can be said for any, you know, it's entertainment at the at the end of the day. Right, 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 right. But for me, I mean, it goes much deeper than that. Sure, it's entertainment, but it's a part of what I do. It's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's part of my DNA. That's how I see it because I've been doing it for so long. So I'm always going to put whatever it is that I believe into my sets and whatever it is that I do. And it's the music. Without the music, there's no Chicken George. That's it. Plain and simple, man. That's not anything without music. Yeah, you know what I mean? Take music away. So that's the reason why I hold it up, you know, as high as I do. Uh Uh-huh. All right, well, we've been talking for almost an hour and yeah, a half, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably going to be the longest show. I think you're going to hold the record. And I expected it. I totally expected it. We're nice. not going to do any trivia. We're not cool. going to do any of that. No games. No need to. There was so much that's been said. Just so raw, much. uncut. <laughs> no, but I really appreciate it. So let's get into some uh, plugs and shout-outs, whatever you got going on. How can people find you? Uh, people you want to shout-out? Well, you can always, it's, it's you know, here. I keep my, my website up to date. It's djchickengeorge.com. Mm-hmm. And that's best way to find out what it is that I'm doing as far as if I'm doing shows in town. Mm-hmm. But then I also have my podcast uh, where I post up mixes at least once a month, sometimes even more frequently, and that's djchickengeorge.podomatic.com. Yeah. And that's three years in, and it's been going great. It's, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm subscribed to it uh, on iTunes. Awesome, man. And one thing I really like when I listen to mixes is that most of the time... For for the most part, I don't know what's being played, and because it's blended with the sure. other stuff, sure. and there's remixes, and you can't just use Shazam just right. to find out what it is. Sure. So I really appreciate you putting the track oh, list. Oh, thank you, man. Putting the track list up because if you want to do some homework, you want to find out about stuff, right? And you hear something that clicks. Actually, I'll tell you a story. I was on my way to France last December on the plane. Nice. I was listening. I forgot which one it was. I kid you not. I had the whole thing playing, and I kind of fell asleep, but I remember one, <laughs> one part, and I I went back and listened to it over and over wow. and over again, and wow. I was like, I this this one, I got I got I got I got to know this one. That's awesome. But seriously, you put out so much music out there. You do you do remixes too? You do your own. I mean, stuff? I'm doing all kinds of things. You know, your own production. So yeah, I mean, there's 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 some of that. There's just. You know, putting out mixes. There's, mm-hmm. I'm out contributing uh, cuts to like the Third Root project. Yeah. You know, so there's there's all these things that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some production value, obviously, in the mixes that I put out as well. So, I mean, it's all intertwined. Yeah, I mean, it's good stuff. Cruising down the road, stuck in traffic, jogging. I don't working out. I don't care what and you're there's doing. Different flavors. Exactly. There's so many different. Exactly. Uh, right you now, I think know. I have 62 mixes up mm-hmm. available for download. And they're all different. Yeah, and I mean, there's, and there's people on it. Did there was one with, uh, with Chody So Funk. Oh yeah, the the record store day. Those are yeah. great. Those yeah. are fun. And then you done stuff with Jay Boogie. Oh, yeah. I love those. There's, I love the, the Jay yeah. Boogie ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely uh, check that out. So, to djchickengeorge.com is is uh, the website, and djchickengeorge.podomatic.com is for the mixes. All right, Podomatic. Twitter, Instagram, any of those. It's all at DJ Chicken George. So easy enough. Easy to find on Instagram forward slash DJ Chicken George, mm-hmm. Twitter, DJ Chicken George, and then on on Facebook as well. Uh got anything coming up? Coming up, uh Body Rock. Yes. So we're doing uh uh Outcast slash Stevie Wonder 
tribute. Because why not? And Body Rock is always the crazy. greatest. It's Seriously. The greatest. Yeah, Seriously. so that should be fun because we we did it all. I have this annual it's Hotter Than July uh, party that I was doing and started at Malverde. Big up to Malverde. Yep. Um, uh, and I did it last year. It was great. And this year, I mean, with it being the 20th anniversary of Outkast, mm-hmm. uh, Shaka was like, what do you think about combining the two? And I was like, great. Because I love both of those artists. So why not? You Why not I mean? exactly? And if you haven't been to Body Rock, guys, you gotta you gotta get you gotta you're missing out. You're really missing out. You're missing Ta- out. Talking about there's not much going on in Austin, and this is like the place to be. Once a month, first Friday, it's the Hair Lounge, Rise Against the Storm. I had them on the show. Go back yeah. and listen. Yeah, uh, those guys are really putting the work, and they're getting big. So you know you got you have to go. I I, I ran into uh, Chorizo last yeah. weekend. Yeah. He told me about they did the Prince one last month. Ah, yeah, I was. I missed that, but apparently it was the, the biggest one yeah. ever. And then they got the MJ one coming up. Yeah, the MJ so, uh, in August. I love what they year. do, man. They're yeah. just you know keeping the culture alive. I love it. Seriously, these guys are really putting the work. Uh, shout as far outs, as shout outs, you know, you have a whole list, man. I have a whole it. list of people that I would love to shout out. But first and foremost, I just want to say that. I'm very appreciative of all the people that have I've been working with. I've had the pleasure of working with over the years, people that I've met, people that I've have come to my shows, mm-hmm. other DJs. Like there's just so many people that I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to to be able to 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 work with and all right. to meet. So uh on behalf of all those people. On behalf of all those you. people, I just want to <laughs> say thank you, you know, but but if I start saying names, you know what I mean? This could Take a while, so it's you know just in in general and just in general, you know. Uh, of course, I want to say big up to to the Trailblazers, DJ Mel and Nick Knack, um, Merrick Brown, who's no longer here, and Toya, they're they're in in Chicago, but instrumental in the 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 the, the plush uh, days yeah. back in the day, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Strange, Trey Lopez, uh, Big Face, DJ Manny, Lottie Da. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of the unsung heroes like John Mighty, Avatar, Hannibal, um, DJ A, Dinky D, you know, from uh, Hot 93, um, Cor- Corrupt, Corrupt, Baby G, yeah, Twist, <laughs> uh, uh, the list goes on, Richard man. Henry, uh, TMC, Avi, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, uh, all the female DJs out there holding it down right now, Mahalani and yeah, DJ Shani, Shani and, uh, I Want to Be Her. her. Isabel J, she's not here, but she was doing her thing when she was. You know what I mean? And uh, Kay uh, Cali and, yep. and and Jessica. You know what I mean? Like, yep, Jessica will be on the show next week. Nice. And also, and uh, I want to say what's up to DJ Honeycomb. Yep. You know, another unsung hero. So many, man. Matt Sanzala for the promoters. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Chris from Mad Gods, Insect Records, Exploded Drawing. Uh, DJ Notion, Proper Entertainment, Dub Academy, Applied <laughs> Pressure. I mean, dude, I mean, there's just so many people, man. This is, I could do a whole show of shout-outs for real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go-Go Garcia and Bert Peterson. You know what I'm saying? Like, people that are, are, are still holding it down and doing their thing. And respect to everyone that's doing what you're doing. And, and you know, I just want to say this, too, uh, just from your perspective and from you being someone that's been active in coming out and checking us out. Like, thank you, man. You know, and everyone else like yourself that was a patron that supported our nights when they were great and when they were not. You know what I'm saying? And thank you. I'm who blushing. bought a, t- a CD? Who bought a, uh, uh, 
a shirt for me at one point or bought yeah. something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to thank all those people because it's without them, I wouldn't be who I am. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very grateful to been able to have had this this platform to be able to do what it is I do and have people to actually appreciate what it is that I do. And I never want to lose sight of that. And that's the thing that, that keeps me grounded. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's easy. I mean, you know, I will say that I've worked very hard to get to where I am. You know, get worked extremely hard to get where I am. But I didn't do it alone. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's like right. no one person can say they did it by themselves. Nobody. You know, and all these people that are doing things, great things here in Austin are, are responsible for making the scene what it is. And they deserve to get, you know, their props. You know what I mean? I should have played the graduation music behind all of that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> kind of felt like that, right? But, you know, I just feel like uh, no, it just needs to be said, man. You yeah, know it's, what true. I'm like, it, it, it's true. It's and, true. And to all, the, all everybody listening out there, um, look out for all these people that we just mentioned. Look out for all the, all the, uh, the people that, you know, I've been mentioning on the show, people I've had on the show. Uh, there's a lot out there to support, and uh, they need they need your support. They want your support, absolutely. And so you got to get out there and and, and support, uh, man, because and that's with, that's just with the scene as a whole, not just yeah. like the DJ scene. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if we don't support it, then it's not gonna flourish. Exactly. So step out of your comfort zone every once in a while and see something different. See something different because there's something a lot else. of great music out there, and if you you know, you want some recommendations? Hit me up because I'm like full of them. You know what I'm saying? All right, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> hold me to it, bro. I tweet at uh, DJ Chicken George or howl at him for anything. Uh, thinking of recommendations, let's see what's going on this week. Awesome. Uh, Thursday at Empire is um, Natasha. I hope I'm saying her name right. Kometo. Uh, I believe so. That's yeah. how you say it. And keeper, right? Yeah, with yeah. keeper and apply pressure. Nice. Uh, it's it's going to be a crazy show, oh, guys. It'll be a great show. Yeah, Just some the venues, some great different. Too. Yeah, I love Empire. Yeah, I love Empire Control Room. Uh, it's only eight bucks. You know, go worth check it. it out. It's definitely worth it. It's a Thursday night, yeah. so it's not like crazy crowd kind right. of thing. Right. So go check that out. Um, I think there's also a '90s party at Vinyl Room with K. Cali. Nice and Dig. Nice. Uh, so if you in uh, if you're a 90s kid, that's your spot. Uh, Friday, uh, my good friends Kenny Duet and Echo are performing at Lucky Lounge. I just had them on the previous show. Uh, they're going to do a whole concert. They're going to sing. They're going to rap. They're going to have visuals and everything. So that's 10 o'clock Friday. Uh, no cover. 21 plus. Uh, Saturday is the debut of our boy Nickety Knack. Yeah. At Vandal Room, playing nice. with Dig. Nice. Uh, look, if you haven't heard Nick Knack yet, uh, you, I, I don't know what to tell you. Just go. He's a veteran, man. <laughs> just go, man. One of Nick, the best. Nick Knack's been best. putting it for years. Absolutely. Uh, go to crackcontrolrecords.com. Go check out all the stuff he's got. Great producer crazy. And, and great DJ. And awesome dude. Funny dude. He's uh, all right. <laughs> you know, I'm just bugging with this. you, Nick. I'm just bugging, yo. Uh, so that's what's happening. Um, I think that's it. Anything you want to add or you've done your speech? Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to. There's a few more people I want to thank. No, I'm just kidding, man. Actually, you know what? There's a few more people I want to shout out. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're ending up. So. Big up. I see you, Miguel Angel. Like, I see you doing your thing, bro. Big up to you, man. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. He's been on the show, too, so go listen to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Big up to DJ Ash, DJ Rich, yeah. Mighty Mike, Dick Nixon, uh, Charlie. How can we forget Charlie, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? AQ, Chris Casino, Skull. I mean, Scully. Chino Casino, Skull. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fideo. Dude, Robert. 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 Now, I got to say something about that brother, you know? <laughs> Robert's my boy. He's man. definitely one of those people that has been a supporter from day one. Like, I always remember him being at my shows, and it's awesome to see him out doing his thing now. Dude, so Robert's get, is getting busy, It's time to, re, re, you know, like, uh, to, to, to come back around and see these people that are doing their thing that have supported me for so many years. Mm-hmm. Just reciprocate it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I think yeah. I mean, there's there's so many other people, and if I if I didn't mention your name, I'm sorry, but um, can't forget Protege, Protege, <laughs> the brother Protege. You know what? New Jack Swing, man, Mike, Protege and Slice, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. I love that. Everything they're doing with all the videos and you know, oh, those are so much. I fun, love man. it, man. I love it. You know what I'm saying? It's like that to me. You know, like I, when I was talking about the trailblazers, you know what I'm saying? It's like these movements of music and people that are doing stuff and like conceptualizing it and putting the extra effort to, to do the videos and do the whatever else is that they do to, to promote this music and this brand. It's like that extra little step that definitely hasn't gone unnoticed and it makes a difference because people appreciate that. Exactly. And it raises the bar too. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like it makes all of us step our game up and, oh, and do something to, to make the parties that much more better. You know what? I've had a feedback party since last August, but I've seen what Body Rock's become, yeah. what uh, Mute Jack Swing's so become. So now you're like, So okay. now I'm like, okay, my next feedback joint, yeah. I'm going to blow everybody out the water. Yeah. Seriously. Friendly competition and never hurt anyone. Hey, I love man. those guys. I support them to death, but I got to step it up. And I've always stepped it up, and I'll keep stepping it up. No that's doubt. how it works. No doubt. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, make sure you uh, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher if you have an Android uh, phone. So you can download all the shows. We've mentioned a lot of people on the show yeah. that a lot of them I've already had on the show. So make sure you go back and listen to it. Uh, Mel, K. Cali, uh, Fidel, You Love I, all those guys I've had on the show. So go back and listen. Um, share it on Facebook, Twitter. And one thing I really want you guys to do... Uh, Rate the show and let me know what you think. I'm yeah. trying to do this. I love doing it. I, I love talking to, uh, to these guys. And uh, I want to know what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. Because I'm getting positive feedback Good, that's so good. far. I'm not getting negative well, that's feedback. that's great, man. I've been listening to the podcast and it's highly entertaining. And it's awesome because you get that inside you know, a little bit of information that you definitely didn't know about yeah. you know, people. So. But I want to get better. I want to I want to raise the bar. You know, every week, uh, we've got some great people coming. Charlie, Jessica next week uh, coming through. Uh, and, uh, yeah, comment, tell your people, tell your friends. You can email at podcast at thefeedback.com. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, am I forgetting anything? Yeah, and Nightwire is still in the works. Uh, we're not forgetting. Uh, but in the meantime, we still got the group meeting going, so... People are talking every weekend, saying, "Yo, hey, I'm going to go out. What's happening? Uh, sharing information in real time, trying to figure out, okay, should I leave Rainy to go on West 6 or what's happening? It's, it's working great. So um, make sure you check that out. And that's all I got. Mr. Chicken George, it was a pleasure. No, the pleasure was mine. Thank you. Thank you. It was, I, it was awesome, man. 
Thank you so much. I know it was a long one, but it was definitely worth it. And I'm sure I'll have you back on and tell some more stories. Anytime, man. Anytime. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Ciao.